Okay, we're, we're finally recording. Yeah, oh, yeah. That took that long. I forgot to put the uh, SD card from the computer back into the the board. So, <sighs> no driving gloves, everybody. We got a couple of people here tonight. We're gonna babble about a few things. Whoop whoop. How'd everybody's week go? Does I uh, like our? I'm trying to decide. Do do our listeners really care what we do every week? Why don't we get some feedback on that one too? That's that's our feedback question of the week. Uh, do you really care what we did this week? So Maybe we, if we started having horrible weeks, they would. Yeah. Maybe if we were like, it was friggin' terrible. I'm trying to think uh, how my week went. Let's see here. Uh, I finally got to see the C8 Corvette on Monday. I know that's big news to Derek. Of course, he doesn't get to say anything about the Corvette or such. So I can say a lot of things from my impressions. And They really need to get somebody to design the floor layout better and traffic flow better. Maybe it was just the one dealership. The traffic flow really stunk. car was good looking. I, I do admit I like I will never own one, though. The, that, we'll discuss me and Corvettes and missing the opportunities to buy one in a future episode, I think. Do you like the interior? I did not sit in it. I didn't feel like waiting in line to sit in it. I, you know, like I said, I'm never going to buy one. I like the the appearance of the layout and such. But, I mean, it's a sports car. Is it supposed to be comfortable? What What's your feeling on the interior? Yeah, I, I kind of dig it. You know, I, especially, I, especially after looking at that one there at the Corvette Museum. Um, I had a couple of questions to, to Derek about it, and... He said that uh, it, it was actually really comfortable. And the controls, you know, the way they kind of run down that spine right. from the you know top of the dash down to the center console kind of looked a little awkward. Um, but Derek was like, man, it's really comfortable and it's, you know, really now, easy to get to. And I think um, it looks like a very driver-oriented cockpit and, you know, designed for a driver. It's not necessarily designed to necessarily have the driver entertained from the passenger seat but it's uh i think if you're in the car and you're there to drive it i think i i think the layout works very well mm-hmm. i would agree with that i think i did that this week played with a few other new cars um, researched battery tending devices and chargers maybe i should ask you guys what your preferences are for ongoing trickle chargers on vehicles curse the way Porsche doesn't have any built-in trickle charging devices and they've got the, these crazy nuts on the batteries that basically are one-way lock nuts so when they come off you're kind of screwed they almost strip the, the terminals when you take them apart <laughs> and Mercedes and Ferrari have these magnetic chargers you know by the license plate you just snap this little magnet onto the bumper and they're trickle charging <laughs> come on Porsche you're a great company. You do some some cool things. Let's let's get the trickle chargers up. Yeah, we know we want your car. You want your cars to be driven, but face it, not all of them get driven. I did that. We hung the some of the twenty four foot diameter big ass ceiling fans at work, and using how much room or air they move. I think when all eighteen are in the building, various places. Um, so that's kind of my exciting, jovial week. Where were you guys at? What were you? You know, Will, you've been gone for a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I don't think I've 
How long has it been? What was the last thing we talked about? Um, uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't even know if I've been on since I got back from... Yeah, I've been on since I back, got back from Pomona, I think. Um, yeah, you were on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just been really crazy busy around the shop. Just uh, trying to... Uh, actually prepping for SEMA already a lot. Trying to get a lot of stuff lined up, so... Well, I heard you're going to have cars on about half the floor, so <laughs> it's going to take you know take a little bit of time. We're, we will have three cars in Hot Rod Alley in Central Hall, so that's you know three full builds. We had three vehicles there last year. Um, one of them we just painted. The other two, uh, one of them was the Rocket Racing Camaro, so one of them was a race car, and the other one was Scotty's Denali. Um, but this year we'll actually have three full builds from big oak garage all in central hall and hot rod alley so that's uh for us that's that is huge so really really looking forward to sema this year and you know already prepping a lot for that um got some probably pretty big news to share in the next i don't know a couple of months about one of the vehicles and where it's going to be and you know what all is happening with it so that's that's going to be some pretty exciting news to share with everybody um and just uh trying to get all this stuff organized and done on time and to the interior shops and back from interior shops and uh, finishing up the black and white 57 chevrolet for it to debut in may and uh, Bakersfield, California. So just uh, got a lot going on. Trying to get some new projects rolling. Can you say where? Can, can you say where you're debuting in May? Yeah, it's the uh, called the Western Invasion Tri Five Show, uh, put on by the American Tri Five Association. It'll be their first uh, Western, you know, show in California. Uh, it's basically a continuation of the show that's in Bowling Green every year, the Tri Five Nationals. So, we'll say yeah. when in May is that? Because I think I may again this this year. It's like May first and second, or second and third. Okay, so that probably the same week that the McPherson Car Show is, and I just scheduled an event that day too. So, <laughs> yep, yep, it's the same weekend. I mean, so, I just scheduled the event less than six hours ago, and now I realize, damn, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, Isn't so, yeah, un unfortunately, I won't be. Uh, I won't be in McPherson this year for the uh, cars car show, or whatever they call it now. Um, I'd like to be there. It's just uh, not uh, not going to work out for me. So. Well, I guess I just said it's not going to work out for me, too. But oh, So, Derek, what you up to? Oh, you know, sitting on my hands, doing nothing, as always. Now, um, let's see. Well, I just got back from the Miami Concours, actually. I saw some pictures or so something that of was... that. Playing with Z06s yeah, down we, there, uh... right? Yeah, took the um, 1963 Big Tank Z06 uh, out of the museum and took it down there to uh, hang out with a bunch of supercars and hypercars and sports cars. And it, it was fun, actually. Had a lot of fun. Um, 
it turns out that uh, occasionally, you know, a rain shower just blows in off the ocean and it rains for a while and then you get soaking wet and have to wipe a car off like 10 times in one day. <laughs> but the fun no, thing about I mean, car shows. Exactly. Um, basically just, yeah, traveling and then uh, trying to have two major exhibit galleries overhauled and completely redone by the end of April. So uh, spending a lot of time working. That's my life. I say I don't not familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Thought I do have the. I did get the. I don't know if I've mentioned it yet. I did get the um, clutch out of the 490 Chevy. Uh, I've got that out and getting it prepped to head off to have the leather face of the cone clutch uh, re replaced, resurfaced, whatever you want to call it. And uh, once I get that back, we'll put the car back together and get driving it again. As I used like, well, if I could speak English there, let me try some whole words. When we were had it shot, when we had Sean on, we were talking about sending that to spec clutch down here in Birmingham. Is that where it's going? Oh, that's right. I did talk about it. Uh, no, it's going to California. I can't. I can't even remember what I've talked about and what I haven't talked about. Jeez. I, I'm kind of. Uh, no, it's it's going to head out to California. I'm kind of scared about that. He's like, oh, you know, he was a pretty good guest. Or thinking back, you know, possibly doing some repeat guests. But I go, what the hell did we talk about? We we had a focal point, but then what? You know, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and start listening to some of our other shows. For the new listeners, there are 113 of them in the back catalog, all available for download at nodrivinggloves.com. Oh, my God. We've done 113 of these? This is 114, not including the four promo episodes. And we should be a lot farther along, though, because we've been doing this now two and a half years. Coming up on three years. Maybe three years in July, so. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, I still haven't seen the paycheck you promised. I never promised a paycheck. As a matter of fact, speaking of that, could you guys send a couple of bucks to help cover <laughs> If you visit our Patreon site. Yes, if our dang webmaster would get some links put up to it. But I will do that maybe tonight while I'm editing the uh, the shows. But I think we had a topic we were going to... It's been on the topic board for oh, probably a year and we're going, you know, this might be a very relevant thing to start discussing. Uh, Derek kind of pointed it out tonight, and even the list is short because things have changed. And, you know, the topic is the GM casualties, Saturn, Geo, Hummer, Saab, Daewoo, Pontiac, Oldsmobile. And I can say the list has gotten longer, but maybe the list has gotten shorter. Um where do we want to begin on that? Do we want to reminisce about... No, we don't, because we'll hear about it again. But do we want to reminisce about the various companies? Or... <laughs> uh, you, you, you broke up there really good, but you know, I guess you've had a Pontiac. I've had a Saab. Will, did you have a Geo? Yeah, I had a Metro that, uh, you know, put a big block Chevy in, blower... Well, is that is that like an RPO anymore from General Motors? <laughs> you just click the box and you get an LS1 in any car? No, I said big block. I didn't yeah. say LS. It should be an option. <laughs> well, they don't make the LS anymore, so it would be an LT. Um, but, you know, 
Well, um, but everybody LS swaps ev- everything. I mean, oh yeah, getting tired of you know. I can't remember. I was in a conversation on that, and I was thinking in the back of my head, we need to have a car show that is cars without LS motors in it. Now we might only have eight cars at that show, but <laughs> non LS powered <laughs> anything. Anything. Hey, I can show up. You can yeah, show up in your truck. I'd say we better better tell Derek about it now because you know the eight miles an hour as Chevy travels with that slipping leather cone clutch. Hey, when it's done, it'll go f- probably forty-five to fifty flat out. Come on, downhill with a tailwind and you fart up it. Shot, shot <laughs> it. So anyway, the topic is relevant tonight because GM's made two announcements recently. Uh, that that relate to what we want to discuss, which, of course, the announcements would be, I think it was yesterday, The uh, well, okay, yesterday as of the night we are recording, folks, um, that they will be ending the production of Holden in Australia. And I don't know, maybe about, what was it, about a week or two ago, guys, that there were some uh, rumors that came out, and it seems to be somewhat official that Hummer will be making a comeback as a competitor to John's friend's uh, truck. Uh, the uh, Riven? No. The, the Oh, Elon. Elon, Cybertruck, yeah. And GM's deciding to go up against your buddy there, John, and uh, bring, bring the Hummer out as an electric vehicle. In 2022 is the plan. Have there been design sketches of that released, or was that just like an announcement at the Chicago Auto Show? Well, I mean, it really won't take much more than somebody older than, you know, fifth grade to do the design of it to beat what Elon brought out. It's actually kind of cool looking. That, see, I just, I just, of course, did the Google thing. That looks like a Hummer that was shown 15 years ago when Hummer existed. Yeah, it may be. Well, maybe they were just letting us know what the future was going to be. It's got it's got more of a Jeep feel to it, you know. Yeah, it's. A, I guess the uh, article here says it will debut May twentieth, ahead of the on sale date in uh, fall of twenty twenty one. Thousand horsepower, seven hundred and forty five kilowatts, generating eleven thousand five hundred pound feet um, of axle torque, uh, zero to sixty in three seconds. I guess that was announced February sixth. So yeah, about you tow well, oh, yeah. and you you use vehicles probably more truckish than either Derek or I, with the exception of long distance, you know, traveling from Alabama to California or something. But say towing vehicles around the state, you know, in a two or three hundred mile range. What's your feeling on an electric truck? Would that be be something you as a shop owner who pulls a 40-foot trailer consider because, I mean, these electric trucks are, you know, 11,000, 15,000 pound-feet of torque, phenomenal zero to 60 time, and, you know, towing capacities, you know, next to a Kenworth. Um, Do you see good, bad? Are you indifferent? Are you really going to wait to see what happens? Or I'm not saying you're going to rush right out and buy one, but... I won't be the first one to buy one. I'll tell you that. Um, I like having the knowledge of 
what's going on inside my vehicle. And with, with that being said, I've never messed with electric vehicles. They've, they interest me. Um, but as far as, you know, me really wanting to go out and get one to use for towing, you know, just for our application, it, it, it'll be years before I'm able to go out and buy one because I don't just tow in Alabama very often, you know, or the Southeast. I'm, I'm always going to Ohio or, you know, the closest we really go is Nashville and Atlanta. So then that's a pretty good hike for me either, you know, there and back. So, I mean, I, I could see where um, it would definitely be beneficial to uh, trucking companies that just mainly tow here. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that tow here here around local. But for us, I don't know. I think it'll be a while before you know you're able to go coast to coast. But with the um expansion of uh you know chargers and charging networks and the ability to charge quicker um i heard a conversation talking about you know electric trucks and things like that and traveling and the person was saying you know well you've got to stop and even at the fastest superchargers if you're using a tesla truck and a tesla supercharger and you stop and you plug it in and it takes 15 minutes to get a uh, 200 mile extra charge or whatever. Is it really, do I really want to stop for 15 minutes when I can just pull into a gas station and stop for two minutes, three minutes and fuel up my truck and be on the road? And I kind of got thinking, okay, I'm pulling with my electric vehicle. I plug the truck in. I go in, I go to the restroom. I buy my diet Mountain Dew. I get my gas station hot dogs and go back out to the truck, unplug it, because I'm sure I can leave the thing unattended while it's charging, and hop back in, and I'm back on the road in, say, 15 to 17 minutes, 18 minutes. Where, when I pull in now with a gasoline vehicle, I pull in, I fuel up at you know, the pump. I mean, granted, I can take the risk and walk into the store, but there's I'm taking the risk of it, the tank overflowing, the pump not turning off, or somebody coming along and taking my pump handle and filling up their car while I'm in the building. So I just never do that, especially at a truck stop. And by all that, guess what? My average stop at most gas stations is 15 to 20 minutes also. So I don't see where the difference is and where I'm going to lose the charging as I'm traveling cross-country in an electric vehicle. I don't know if that def argument, you know, driving cross-country and... But. Well, I think it's going to depend on, you know, the uh, the infrastructure that it does get installed over the next few years. And if they do put in enough of the, you know, fast charging stations um, at gas stations, because, of course, right now I haven't seen many gas stations that also have electric charging facilities um, you know, most of the electric charging facilities you see are at, um, either, you know, I mean, here in Bowling Green, we have Tesla, one of the Tesla charging stations at the Meyer store. Uh, actually we have electric charging station, um, at the, the Corvette museum. We have, a uh, I think four stations, if I remember right, I don't 
I don't drive that way every day, so I never count how many we actually have. Uh, <laughs> most, and I most, don't have an electric vehicle. But most uh, uh, Hampton Inns and the Hilton hotels, they all have. Yeah, they all have them. Yeah. But so you know, John, your theory is that these will be at gas station type convenience stores where you're going to be able to run in, go to the restroom grab a snack, grab a drink, whatever you want, and have the same amount of time. But at least that I've seen, that infrastructure is not there at the gas stations. So how does that impact it? Yeah, but I think as time goes on, I would almost bet that you're going to possibly see states beginning to install these things at their rest areas along the interstate. I mean, the infrastructure is being built out. And, you know, the Tesla supercharger stations are the the first thing, but of course, they're, uh, my understanding, not owning a Tesla, they're proprietary to Tesla, and you can only charge Teslas mm-hmm. at them. But most yes. of them that I see are, I've seen, are located with convenience nearby. There's a restaurant nearby, so you can charge while you're grabbing a bite to eat. Uh, there, to be honest, I think we're going to have one or two located at the new facility I'm at because we're very convenient to two interstates and within two miles of one and within a quarter of a mile of another. And yeah, you'll plug in there and then you got to walk across the street to McDonald's or walk across the street to the gas station or walk across the street for chicken wings. But you'd be, you know, it's not quite the gas station pull in and, you know, you choose, you know, 87, 89, 92 diesel or electric at the pump, but I think I don't think we're too far off from gas stations starting to ins- install charging bays. You know, they might not be next to the pump; they might be on the outskirts. But I think overall, we're going to find that char- by the time that all happens, and within the next two or three years, you're going to find it's going to take no longer to put a 200 mile charge on your car than it does to you know fill up the tank tank of gas and realistically i believe most families are stopping every 200 electric you know for rest areas and that with the kids and that you know not everybody's a long haul trucker like will with a mountain dew bottle and uh, i don't never understand why people do bottles but need something liquids are different colors but i'm a i'm a gatorade bottle guy need yeah. that wide mouth deal huh? <laughs> that's right need a little little more area to aim at you know but let's now that i've swayed us completely away from the whole topic let's get back on track what's everybody's opinion of bringing back hummer as an electric vehicle are we missing i want to i want to touch on something before we before we completely change okay so i get the electric cars the electric trucks you know half ton trucks and stuff like that but how how far along is the technology in an electric semi truck? I mean, I hadn't been really been keeping up with it, so I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm sure that it, it's being worked on every day. Um, <laughs> was that Derek? And um, I just don't know how far along that that's coming to, you know, for a twenty five hundred or thirty five hundred. Ford, Dodge, Chevy, whatever, and then, like you mentioned, like a Kenworth. I mean, where where's that technology at? Or is is that being really pushed to the forefront, or or what? 
Well, I think the semis, you know, Tesla made a big splash a year or two ago when they introduced their semi, which, by the way, goes on sale in 2020. <laughs> Sorry for the laughter. And there, there's some, you know, reasoning behind it. They've sold a lot of them, um, or pre-sold a lot of them. Not a lot of them are on the road. There's a lot of testing going on and R&D and... But I think the idea behind the semis, what the sales pitch is, is they aren't for cross-country. They're for the short-haul type stuff, the two or 300-mile trips where you're going to load up. You'll get 300 miles to your destination or your next um, warehouse or terminal, be able to pull in, plug in, and unload and reload while you're there. So I I don't see them being multi-thousand mile vehicles. You know, you're not going to hop in them and get 500, 800 miles and then stop at the truck stop and things like that. But I think they're going to be very viable for, you know, short runs or I can't remember what hot shot loads or I'm not a truck czar. But on the flip side, uh, you've got Rivian uh, based out of... uh, Bloomington Normal, Illinois, and the old Diamond Star plant, like I've said before, has a little tie to me because I know so many people had Diamond Star jobs. It's from the area of the country I grew up in. And, of course, when Mitsubishi shut that plant down, a lot of them lost their jobs and with Rivian. And Rivian is now, you know, their their pickup truck, $73,000, same thing, 0 to 60 in 3 seconds, towing capacity 8,000 pounds. Uh, ungodly torque and stuff. And that's their half-ton truck version. And then, of course, Amazon is a major investor in Rivian, and now Ford is a major investor, and Amazon's ordered 100,000 Rivian trucks over the next, I think, five or ten years. So they've got orders in place. They have excellent funding. Uh, They have major manufacturer research behind them. I think it's going to be a viable vehicle, and the Amazon trucks are going to be designed to replace the uh, Sprinters and uh, Ford Transits that they're using and running around town with now. So I think, in answer to your question, Will, I don't see them becoming long-haul cross-country truckers. Um, I don't see reliable car carriers or horseless carriage using a electric tractor to transfer stuff from... You know, Atlanta to Seattle, but FedEx, UPS, um, grocery store chains, uh, Home Depot, terminal to terminal, I see lots of use, and I, I can see those trucks on the horizon, but I'll also say, other than Tesla, I don't know anybody building a um, tractor, and that's not saying nobody's doing it, I'm just not... To, I'm not in tune with that market. Um, if right. any of our listeners can point me in a direction... I'll be happy to read about it, listen about it, and uh, figure out really what's going on in that end of the, the, the spectrum. I mean, I could see them a lot for rollbacks, you know, like like y'all's, you know, covered enclosed rollback that y'all got, you know, doing local, you know, taking a car from this shop to that shop, or picking up cars on the side of the interstate, blah, 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 whatever, you know. It's coming. I mean, I'm not, I can't say I'm a fan of it, but it is what it is. You know, that might actually be a smart business 
move, although I, I don't know. I shouldn't say that because uh, Elon is, is probably more intelligent than I am at these things, but why doesn't he have a delivery electric delivery service that delivers the electric cars? They all get delivered on just diesel-powered rollbacks. I mean, when the neighbors here, you know, my neighbors got their Tesla, it came on a diesel rollback. All the ones I see moving around are typically on, uh, you know, one a rollback or maybe a two-car, you know, hauler open that's being towed by a you know 3500 series GMC or Dodge or Ford, you know, truck. And, and maybe that's where we're headed with the the cyber truck and the semis that he's designing. But it's just interesting kind of to think about why, you know, if, if you're building this electric vehicle platform, um, you know, why haven't you brought out the, the car carrier car carrier to deliver it with? Um, I can tie it to history if you guys want, because, you know, Alexander Winton. When he started building cars there in Cleveland, Ohio, he actually had the first deliver vehicle delivery, you know, to deliver his Wintons. He took one of his Wintons, cut the body off of it, just had his driver's seat on it, and actually put a hitch system on it and had a little wagon to deliver his Wintons to people in the Cleveland area. There you go. I, I could tell you my theory behind Tesla and how they're delivering their vehicles to customers and so, but um that's kind of talking about the same thing over and over again but while you were discussing that a little bit Derek I went ahead and did the good old google search electric semi trucks well daimler is supposed to have a has electric semis in testing fleets now that go on sale to the public in 2021 Freightliner, which is also basically this, you know, Freightliner and Daimler or Mercedes are all owned by the same company. Uh, their Freightliner will have a uh, electric truck goes on sale. Uh, there looks to be um, a company called Nikola or Nikola, whatever Tesla's first name is, um, doing a truck. Um, Just depends on what part of the country are you, how you say it. Yeah. Um, Daimler, uh, Penske and NFI are two companies that have ordered the Daimler electric semis. Uh, Volvo's got an electric semi truck, um, and I don't see a release date on it. But there's another company, Neuron. So there, there are a bunch of companies doing electric semis. So my guess is, yeah, 2021, there's going to be a lot of voltage running down the road. Um, it's interesting. You know, some of the other podcast and the other the other fuel stuff and I crossed a semi that's supposed to where would that article go um, hydrogen you know there's a couple hydrogen cars out there that people are using Reds, can't find the article all of us a hydrogen electric semi so I guess you're using hydrogen mm. to, I don't know power this bomb down the road <laughs> I've just got all these bad pictures of the explosive natures of hydrogen and volatility of lithium ion and <laughs> cell phones. But so quick, like I said, quick Google search. And yeah, there's a bunch of semi trucks that are being developed. And, you know, Tesla being Tesla has obviously got the most. 
noise around him. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, but uh, it does. But I think I had not heard of the hydrogen electric hybrid. That's interesting because if you, you know, obviously they're probably using hydrogen to power a generator that's going to generate the electricity, you know, and basically charge the battery pack of whatever kind they have. Uh, and John, I think you and I have actually talked about it on the show before is, you know, the idea of the diesel electric locomotives that are already out there, a proven technology and why that hasn't, you know, in some fashion and, and hydrogen would be a little cleaner method of running a generator to develop the electricity. Sorry guys. Uh, I'm trying not to sneeze. Uh, don't, <laughs> Pineapple. Uh, right. Great. Anyway, hydrogen-powered generator to ugh, to create the electricity, so on and so forth. That's interesting. I hadn't heard of that yet. So that uh, that's one I'm going to have to look into. We're way off off the GM topic here, but I like where we're going. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. I guess we're going to revisit the... Um... <laughs> kind of like GM just kind of abandoned those car manufacturers. <laughs> we just kind of abandoned that entire topic because I'm I'm going through now and ga- looking at more and more information and the and that's why this is no driving gloves. Well, that's kind of you know spontaneous and everything. And the eight was it? Yeah, the eight electric truck and van companies to watch in 2020: BYD and their kind of semi yard type trucks it looks like from the picture something that's um chinese i was gonna say it looks like a chinese company uh cheyenne c-h-a-n-j-e uh they're doing kind of a delivery van 30 feet long delivery van or 30 foot long panel van three ton payroll payload 150 mile range they've actually got 900 of the those on the road i guess and fedex um, has ordered a thousand of them, and Riders ordered five hundred of them. Uh, pretty much all exclusively to the California market. Daimler Trucks, their big rig. Let's see here, two hundred and fifty mile range. Uh, the Freightliner version is two hundred and thirty mile range. So again, more of a short haul type thing. Uh, Nikola, uh, there. I just saw something that looked like Volvo's bringing one out too. Yeah, that, that here it is. Is uh, Nikola Motors. Um, we know that Tesla Inc. was named for me. Let's see here. This, it's either uh, each semi truck will be available with either fully electric or hydrogen fuel cell electric capabilities. That's where it comes. And anticipated ranges between 500 and 700. That's that's pretty good. Uh, 700 miles. I mean, that's that's, that's a good, good. That, that's a good trek when you consider 70 mile interstate. Or seventy mile an hour on the interstate, and that's ten hours of straight driving. And I, I'm not a, you know, I don't hold a CDL license. But what's the maximum you can drive? Is it uh, ten, 10 or twelve? It's or like 14? it's like ten hours. Yeah. So I was just I thought it was like eight. It's to 10 not. Right now. It's not ten hours of straight driving. It's like you can be like clocked in on the job for ten hours, like. You know, you got to take 15-minute breaks and then 
lunch breaks and you know all that i think by the time it's all said and done you got 10 hours now i'm not gonna say what we generally do because well, well you're not you're, technically you're not cdl because you're private well yeah we are not for hire you know, what we try to do, like when dad and I take off and go to California, we try to do between 900,000 miles a day. And, and that's split between two people. So, again, you're 500, 500 miles a person. Right. That's split between two people. Whoever, you know, we drive, that's that's basically four tanks of fuel. You know, um, we just alternate. Generally, my dad starts out and I'll finish it up. So, uh, so. A seven, a five hundred to a seven hundred, five hundred to seven hundred mile range in a semi is very reasonable. That's very reasonable, especially if you can say recover, and say not get a full charge, but you know, add if you can stop for fifteen minutes and add, you know, thirty miles or forty miles, you know, by the time you take your breaks, and you know do what you've got to do legally to stay on the road, you could do a thousand mile day. Now, here's my question, John, is that five to 700 miles uh, empty, pulling an empty trailer? Is that at full, full payload? It, it shouldn't matter. I mean, because if you've got that much torque, it's, 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 it's not going to know if there's anything back there or not. Yeah. I don't, that may be the five to seven hundred mile deal too, though. Yeah, yeah, and I, I want to say, I don't think most of these companies are trying to lie because if you say five hundred to seven hundred miles, and I'm rider leasing a thousand trucks to various companies across the country, and all of a sudden you put these trucks out, and you know you're hauling eighty thousand, you know whatever, 80,000 pounds, I realize truck and trailer included. And you're driving, you know, all of a sudden these things are turning out 250 miles. You're not going to get a reorder. So I think that, you know, with the exception of one or two companies, I don't see the companies that really want to make a go of it, especially Mercedes and Freightliner, lying about their range. Of course, we just talked 250 miles in a, uh, or a Daimler truck or you know 700 miles in this nicola truck but rivian's got theirs um trying to see which is more like a um, panel van or such so there's a question will if if a hauler does come out that can go 700 miles in one charge and then you do figure in you know okay i gotta stop for lunch quick and that's a half hour and I plug it in, I get an extra, you know, hundred miles. Does that make it more likely that you would, would buy one of the electric setups? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I would, I would strongly consider it just, you know, just because that would work for me. And, you know, these hot, you, you used the term hot shot hauler a minute ago. What, what that is are, are basically guys doing kind of like what I do once a month, you know, except I'm hauling my own cars. They, it's what they do for a living. They find something to haul, 
coast to coast or, you know, stay strictly on the East coast or whatever, but you know, they're hustling pretty hard and, uh, they put in long hours too. And, you know, it would work for those guys too, that are, you know, have a 2,500 or a 3,500 diesel powered, you know, truck. And I mean, if they can get it to where you can get, I'm going to say 700 to a thousand miles, uh, uh, you know, a day almost, then I would strongly consider looking into that. So when are you going to build your first electric hot rod? Well, as soon as somebody wants me to, I'd, I'd do it. Did you hear that, John? Uh, 11 hours. That is That window is usually thought of as the daily limit, even though it's not based on a 24-hour period. Gotcha. You are allowed a period of 14 consecutive hours in which to drive up to 11 after being off duty for 10 or more consecutors. Right. So, again, I still think that, you know, Will's right. I think if you're in that 600 to 800 mile range with your truck, you're pretty good. So there, there's our discussion on <laughs> all of a sudden electric trucks and then. I got thinking the same thing as Derry, because when's Will going to build his first electric hot rod? And I was trying to think, because I had something across my desk or computer screen that was related to electric and hot rods or something. I know how I would want to build my first electric hot rod. I don't really want to share it publicly, but I know how I would want to go about doing it. Whether it could be done or well, I, absolutely it could be done. It's just uh, it would be very, very expensive uh, with the way that I would want to do it, just because of what you would have to buy to make it work. So, a wreck Tesla? Uh, <laughs> no. I'll I'll tell you when we get done recording. I know we, we, we've talked about it on the site a little bit, and I know you're yeah. kind of holding that. And I've talked and for any of the listeners that want to know, just feel free to call Will and uh, sign a contract and send a whole lot of money his way. And hopefully have some good resources because with what I want to do, I have no resource right now. I, I would have to find it and create it, but I could do it. There's no doubt. And it would be... One bad ass hot rod, I promise. You know, I'm just wondering that. You, of course, okay, you build this hot rod or however you want to with the electric drive truck, and we're talking about trucks here that are going zero to sixty in three seconds. And what does the new Porsche to sixty in? Which is, but it doesn't have a turbo. It's dang, you know, dang near the fastest electric vehicle out there okay i can take i'm looking at a six thousand pound hummer or rivion zero to 60 in three seconds and i can tow eight thousand pounds or have eleven thousand five hundred pound feet of torque or i can get a porsche taycan turbo s for double the money you know 180 200 000 without any options and we're looking at 0 to 60 in 2.6 seconds. <laughs> that kind of leads me to the question of, are we going to really blur the lines here? I mean, Riven's got their 
R1S, which is an SUV, looks a lot like a uh, Lincoln Navigator or um, the Lincoln, is it the Aviator or whatever. The, I can't remember the one that's just below the Explorer size. And, the, you know, those are the performance figures. 2.93 seconds for that to go that fast. Do we have to have a Porsche anymore if you want to go? I mean, I mean, if I get into a Porsche Turbo S right now, it's 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds, gas-powered car, and I get into a Ford F-150, I'm 0 to 60 in 5 or 6 seconds. All of a sudden, you're losing drag races and your $200,000 Porsche to pickup trucks? What's wrong with that? I like it. I like the sounds of it. But it go, where, where I'm going with that is, okay, yeah, it sounds cool. You know, you're a truck guy. You really like that. I'm kind of a sports car guy. I, I don't necessarily like that. But will we see a change um, in the way people buy? Will people buy the large Rivian for whatever, $100,000, as opposed to the Porsche for $200,000? Because I'm getting the same performance i'm going to 60 zero to 60 in the same period of time um i'm probably getting i haven't heard if you get the next snapping uh acceleration in, in the pickup truck that you do in the the tycon i've heard that the tycon turbo s is just damn near painful to drive it launches so hard i'm just wondering you know we already know that the electric hydrogen movement is going to change a lot of cars, and it's in uh, touching on our topic last last week. You know, car, you know, car guys cool, and you know, general public not. This could really sway a lot of things. Will it move part car guys a little bit more to the electricity? And you know, think take Will for situation for example, if he's got a truck that can go zero to six in two point nine three seconds, and can also tow his forty foot trailer, forty eight foot trailer across the country. Um, is he really going to want to build that shop truck that, you know, with the big block and everything? Yeah, probably. But I'm going to absolutely. I'm going to jump in first here and say that I don't, I don't think it's going to change anything, John, because I think most of the people that are buying the Porsches and the, you know, whatever else, Ferrari, you know, Lambos, Paganis, whatever is out there. Um, they're not doing it. I mean, some of it they're doing for the performance, but a lot of them, especially with a car like a Porsche or a Ferrari, or even in the Corvette world, they're buying it because of the brand loyalty and the name behind it. They're not strictly doing it for the zero to 60 numbers, the overall performance numbers. There's the, you know, again, brand loyalty that's attached to that and the, yeah, for, I guess, I mean, basically the status level that comes with saying that you've purchased one of those vehicles, they're a recognized name and that's why those people are buying them. And I think it's going to be a hard sell to switch them over to, uh, you know, a new tesla truck or uh ribbon or you know however you pronounce it i've heard like 500 different pronunciations of that truck's name um when those are not well-known brands even if the performance is similar but then we have to remember as as the performance gets better with electric vehicles 
and the trucks come down to zero to 60 in 3.3 second times, as that technology develops and goes into the sports cars like the Porsches and the Ferraris and all those McLarens, those numbers are going to drop as well. So I think we got to look more at the fact of how insanely low our zero to 60 number is going to become as we move into this future. Well, that's, that's the question I'm at. And remember, I just told you the new Hummer is supposed to go zero to 60 in three flat. The Porsche Taycan Turbo S, which is damn near the fastest electric car out there, does it in 2.6. So they're four tenths of a second difference now. And so to me, they're about the same. Four tenths of a second difference can be made up in the the driver and the long, the way he launches and things. And I, of course, these are rolling zero to six cheating. But I think there's a validity to your point there too, Derek. And it goes back to one of the topics we talked about with Sean is, you know, is there a such thing as too fast? Um, at what point does zero to 60 become too fast for the human body to, you know, handle the G loads, be able to think and process? I mean, zero to 60 and 1.5, um, you know, there's what was it, maybe 20, 30 years ago, that was drag racing, you know. Uh, you know, now we're doing what zero to 300 in six seconds drag racing, or is it three? Oh, what's, no, what's the new record? Three, uh, three seconds, three, it's, yeah. it's like so, three point something, yeah. So, you know, that those are the best drivers in the world, and you know, they talk about you know, how their eyeballs react and their ne- and, you know, neck is. And we'll go back to our episode where we uh, interviewed Bud Moeller and driving, you know, the former Rumens Barrichello F1 car. And, you know, I don't know if any of you went on online and looked at a picture of Bud, but, I mean, he's got neck muscles to die for. I mean, uh, you know, think of the way Arnold Schwarzenegger was built in the, you know, late 70s. This is the way Bud and, you know, his, I don't know how old Bud is, but I'm going to say in his 60s, you know, neck is just because of the, the G. So I really don't know if the human body, the average human body is going to be able to take zero to 60 times of sub two seconds. We're going to see them. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think the human body is going to be able you know, to take that you know repeatedly or be able to respond quick enough. You know, if you think you take off from the stoplight, drag racing, you know, your buddy on a you know two lane road and you're trying to go zero to six one point eight seconds and something goes wrong there's two or three body bags at the scene I think but, well something else about the the bigger trucks you know we're very very adamant about the service on our vehicles especially our tow vehicles that we're driving cross country and having to meet deadlines, you know, and, and part of the deadline is getting there. You know, you have to have something that's extremely reliable that, you know, is going to get there and that's service. We, you know, we have the factory or, you know, the dealership do most of our service. So another factor for that, for me is if I'm going to go buy one of these trucks it's going to be serviced on a regular basis. And, you know, if they've got their own chassis parts and suspension parts and, you know, all this stuff that, you know, you have to look at and that starts messing up on you, then, you know, that, that's a major, that's a major drawback 
for me for the smaller companies that are getting into this. Um, it's really going to be geared more towards fleet type applications where they have on-site people that are trained to do their own service and stuff like that. Not, not I don't think they're really gear, gearing it up towards small, smaller businesses like mine. Now you do have to remember upon the serviceability, there's so many fewer parts, if that's a proper way of saying that. What? How did that? There, so there, many fewer. <laughs> what? Hey. I, 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 there's, there's a lot less serviceable parts on, on I mean, an if, electric application, but you still have to turn those wheels and tires. You still have bearings. You still have control arms. You, you know, you, you know, take the motor out of a diesel truck. There's still a lot of stuff there that you have to check that you have to service that, you know, and that's actually government requirements mm-hmm. for vehicle inspections and stuff like that. And electrical systems, you know, electrical systems can be the biggest nightmare on the planet for, for a vehicle. So, you know, if they don't have all that stuff dialed in to a T, then it's going to be one absolute nightmare. Just remember, never let the smoke out of the wires. That's right. Yes. Really, really hard to put it back in there. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I think, you know, Will has a point. John has a point. Yeah, you know, Will's, Will's point is you've still got the entire chassis and, you know, serviceable, serviceable components of the body, interior, et cetera, that have to be maintained. Yes, John, your point, you have a lot less moving parts than you have in just the, you know, internal combustion reciprocating engine to a electric motor or electric motors, depending on how they're going to do this. But, you know, you've still got to service all the stuff like Will says. I mean, and then, I mean, basically you're thinking of the electric motor just like, I mean, it's going to be just like sort of rebuilding or cleaning a, a generator on an old car or something. I mean, you're pushing, the, pulling the thing apart. You're going to have to clean brushes and bushings. And, well, I'm sure they have brushless motors now. Sorry. Um, but you, you still have all that service that has to be done. So are you getting rid of some moving parts? Yeah, but is it really going to be... I don't know that it's going to be any better. I think it's going to be fairly equivalent. If you don't know how to work on it in the beginning, it is going to be a pain in your butt. Yeah, and I I totally agree with Will in that um, because I'm a big proponent. I point out to people all the time when, oh, you know, it's got a new motor in it, so it's like new. Or you you see, again, we go back to Facebook Marketplace. It's got zero miles on it because we put a new motor in it. Yeah, but it's still a 1993 Chevrolet 1500 pickup, right. and it's it, got 180,000 miles on the ball joints and the shocks and the leaf springs and everything else on the truck. You and, can rebuild everything on a used vehicle, and guess what? It's still a used vehicle. Mm-hmm. Says the guy that rebuilds cars for a living. Says the guy that rebuilds... Wait. 
I do too. Never mind. I won't say it. Says the guy who advises people on buying. Uh, now wait, mine. I mean, mine are really old, so I guess they're just really used. Is that what it is? Extremely, extremely used. Okay. Yeah, but the nice thing about your used, there's not a Carfax on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. There's another show topic. Is Carfax oh, and vehicle yeah. reporting? <laughs> I was about to go off on that, but I'll we'll we'll get to that at another I'll save episode. it for another day. Yeah. But speaking of the old cars, I did throw around the idea on the show with Sean. Um, I think it was the last episode we mentioned it. But uh, if you know, if anybody from Uber is listening and listens to our uh, podcast, you know, I'd love to talk to people about starting an Uber Classics. Uh, where we actually use classic and antique cars for Uber rides. Yeah, that was that that was the last episode. And okay, Sean talked about his Uber, and you know he he's done a little bit of that. And you talked about getting into it with the. And I said, you know, I I I went ahead and registered everything to do Uber last year with the S. And I said, oh geez, I'll run over and uh, I'll just go ahead and you know register the Fusion, and if I feel bucks, you know, to get the inspection done. I got an itty bitty itty bitty chip in my windshield that when I got in the car this morning you couldn't even see because the windshield was wet. It was you know, kind of a sheet of water on it, and they won't pass pass the car till I get that <laughs> the windshield fixed. At least this inspection station sticks to the rule: make sure you have a safe V. But, you know, brand new car, sixty five hundred miles on it. And I got, I know when that chip happened, I was, I was probably about eight blocks from the dealer after buying the car and that, you know, I know when the, the rock hit the windshield. Well, that's the way it goes. So I'll be swinging by and spending 30 to have somebody inject some glue in there to make the inspection station happen. But make it disappear. Yeah. Are hey, either one of you have any luck with the kit I can go buy at AutoZone? Nope. Never tried it. Is that nope? You've had no luck, or nope? Uh, you've never don't even it. mess with it. Do it right or left. No, everybody stay away from the left. I think I'm going to end it there because that's a good way to end it. I agree. We're uh, hour and three, hour and four, so it's probably time. Tell everybody good night. Me to get onto my editing bay and. Will to go back to the shop and whatever Derek does. I go to bed. He's still a newlywed. We know what he's doing. I was trying to stay away from that. <laughs> I'll go there. I go go to bed and fall asleep and get up and go to work. He's a married man. <laughs> True. Have a good evening, everybody. I'm out of here. Hey, did you guys know they make electric Zambonis? <laughs>